0: Today is our big, go big, big give is what we're calling it. Go big, big give. As many of you have probably already known, if you follow us and you've been watching for quite a while, we have been preparing and preparing, preparing for the next two years—a season of the next two years—where we are looking to up our faith and up our giving in order to help us as a church get to where it is that God is calling us to. And we are super excited about where God is actually calling us to. Um, We—we're—we're we're, so—we—we um, uh, we just got such a clear vision with what we believe that God is calling us to for the next 15 to 20 years. And so as you have probably been, if you've been a part of what we're doing, you know that we're doing this whole initiative called Go Big. And today marks the day when we're officially starting our two-year period of giving way beyond the more than we've ever given before. And so I'm asking you to be a part of that. And if you've not signed up for that, please be a part of that. Go to northwestorlando.com forward slash commit and you can fill out the form. Why do you need to fill out a form? It's simply so it helps us to be able to plan and calculate and know what we can do for the next two years and how you know how we can how we can prepare for those next two years. And I know that some of of you have already started to give and that's not a problem. Uh, I know it's okay to, to have started a little early. That's not a problem at all. But today, marking the biggest day that we believe will be our biggest day in the history of our church of, of giving that we've ever seen. And we're really excited by that. We are so encouraged and we're so um, enthused by what God is doing just with, with what people what people are telling us that God has been doing in their lives with their finances and with the, what God is calling them to do as well. So I would encourage you to go to that, that, that website, northwestorlando.com forward slash commit. This month we are starting a whole new series called Building a Church for Generations. Building a Church for Generations. It's all about vision as a church. Now why are we talking about vision this month? It's simply because I believe that we need to be reminded of what God is calling us to do. You see, I believe that we have a boldness and a confidence as a church, as a church, simply because we know what God is calling us to do. We have a clear vision of what God is calling us to do. A few months ago, I met with some of the stakeholders of our church and I sat down with them and I was telling them about the plans that we have put together. We have been spending months and months and months on, probably the last year to two years, we've been spending so much time putting these plans together and we decided to reveal it to the stakeholders of our church. And this particular group of people were the, dare I say, the older, more mature disciples amongst us, right? And so and um, we told them and we showed them all the plans and the drawings of the building that we have, and, and, and even for the next future, for the future of the next 15 to 20 years, and how we're going to plant all the churches. And, and I asked them a question about why they came to Northwest. What made you decide this is the place you want to be in? And one of the things that they said, the thing that they said most of all, was something that really captured my heart and really, really inspired me. They all said this They said, We came for our children. that's interesting because most people go to a church because it's good for them, because they feel like that's a place that they will fit in. But they all decided they wanted to go to a church that wouldn't necessarily be for them, but it would be for their children. I hope that every one of them has found that this is a place for them too. But it takes quite a maturity in your faith to decide that you're going to do whatever you're going to do in your life, you're going to do it, for the next generation and that's why our vision as a church is called building a church for generations and that's always been our heart and that will always be our vision and I believe that that is significant for us and that's why we're able to do all the things that we do because we know why we're doing them and so today I want to talk about vision I want to talk about your vision I specifically want to talk about this word 2020 vision. And I don't mean 2020 the year, but wouldn't that be cool if I was able to somehow make that fit in? But 2020 vision, 2020 vision is quite an interesting term. Because a few years ago, I noticed that one of my eyes started to get bloody and you probably, you know, when you get into your 40s, that start things type of thing starts to happen. And my brother-in-law, who used to work in a LASIK uh, uh, company, he used, to te- he used to tell me, yeah, it's around about 40 years old when your eyes start to get old. And I'm like, old? I'm not old. But one of them started to get blurry and I had to get spectacles. You might call them glasses. I call them spectacles. Glasses is what I drink water out of. But these are what we call spectacles. And once I got these spectacles on, it was amazing. I could See everything. Everything was clear to me. 2020 vision is quite an interesting term because I asked him, What does 2020 vision mean? And he said, It basically means this a normal person should be able to see a certain size of text or font from 20 feet away. That normal person is your standard, and your 20 should be the same. Now, maybe you've got 20-15 or you've got 20-25 or 20-30 or 20-40. Maybe you're blurry in one of your eyes or both of your eyes and you don't have 20-20 vision. That means that you can't see the same amount of text as the other person from 20 feet away. In fact, one of the things that I've, when I looked at this, I thought was quite interesting, that your vision is measured by two things. It's measured by what someone else sees and it's measured by what is considered as normal. Let me say that again. Your vision is measured by what someone else sees and it's measured by what is considered as normal, what a standard is. That's how we're able to tell whether a person has good vision or whether they have bad vision. Today, my questions that I want to throw out to you today is who is the measure of your vision and by what standard is your vision measured? Who is the measure of your vision? Who is measuring your vision and by what standard is that vision being measured by? If we look at Scriptures, uh, Scripture has a really cool uh, 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 verse in the Old Testament. It's very famous, and maybe some of you have heard this Scripture a lot before. But it's in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And, and I'm reading from King James Version right now, because that's, that's the old way they used to say this. And it says, Where there is no vision the people perish. Have you heard of that scripture before? It's a very common vision. It's a very, sorry, it's a very common scripture. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. If you don't mind, I'm going I'm to change to a more modern version scripture in order to be able to understand this just a little bit better. We're going to be reading from the message and it says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. That's a great version of that scripture, isn't it? I love that version of the message. In reading this, I really see that there are two things that affect our vision in life. And now I'm not talking anymore about just seeing with spectacles, but I'm talking about the vision for your life. What is your vision for your life? And I have discovered that there really are two specific things that's actually mentioned in the scripture right now. Two specific things that tell us that affect our vision for our life. And the first one is this. It's finding freedom from your past. It's finding freedom from your past. What's that all about? Well, you see, our past defines us so much. We're so dependent on our parents to fashion our perspective about the world and about ourselves. About the world and about ourselves. Now, you probably heard me talk about this a lot, and you will never, ever hear me stop talking about this stuff. Because it's amazing how much our past formulates what we think about ourselves. You see, dysfunction from our past distorts what we think about ourselves. Maybe that's failure of your parents. Maybe your father wasn't there, your mother wasn't there. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe it's uh, uh, problems that you've had with what you've thought about yourself or your failure from your friends, maybe failure from your past marriages, failure from opportunities that you lost out on. It's amazing how our past starts to formulate what we think about ourselves and we become tied to them. We become tied to these past events. We, 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 we essentially start living in the past and that formulates and affects the way that we see our lives and the way that we see the rest of life around ourselves. Now, many of us have done things like we've come up with our own solutions of, <clears throat> of trying to fix those things. And what we try and do is we see the problems that we used to have in our lives. And so what we try and do is correct those things to make sure that they never happen again in our lives. <clears throat> we can start to control our marriages in such a way that we we try to make sure that our marriage doesn't end up the same way as our parents do. But what you're doing is you're actually only living in your marriage based on not trying to do what your parents did. So it's not really about your present day marriage. It's more about trying to make sure that the past doesn't repeat itself. And that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? But the problem is, I believe that our vision becomes distorted because we have the wrong view of ourselves. We have a wrong view of ourselves because we're so defined by what had happened in the past. And I believe that's often because you're questioning whether you have what it takes in life. What am I made of? Look at this. Let me go back to Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says this, if people can't see what God is doing, it didn't say if people can't see their past or can't see their future, they can't see kingdom of God. It's just saying, if they can't see what God is doing right now in your life, it gives you a conclusion right there to that sentence. And it says this, they stumble all over themselves. Did you see that? It doesn't say they get confused in life. It doesn't say maybe they have difficulties and they have struggles or maybe they get distracted. No, they're stumbling all over themselves, not their finances, not their past. They're not stumbling over their parents. They're not stumbling over their children. They're not stumbling over coronavirus. They're not stumbling over being locked down and having to stay at home. They're stumbling over themselves because they can't see what God is doing. That tells me that we then become the problem. You see, really, you are in the way of yourself, not your past. I get it. We do believe that we need to get healed from our past, but that's why Christ came on the cross to bring us salvation, that we would be freed from our past. It has been done. We need to decide to take our eyes off of our past and see what God is doing in our lives so that we don't stumble over ourselves. We don't stumble over our past. Years ago, this is something I really had to tackle in my life as well, Because I grew up as a pastor's kid. And a pastor's kid, as we all know, is as dysfunctional as you could get when it comes to church, right? And I know what it's like because I saw some of the, the, the dysfunctions in my, you know, people, how people treated my father. And, and, and I, I decided... I decided when I was young, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't, I didn't really want to be a pastor. I told God, don't make me a pastor. And I told God, I don't want to be a pastor. I told him exactly what I wanted to do. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to do the thing that I thought and I was fearful of that God would tell me to do. What I was doing was I was stumbling over myself. I was just stumbling over my own emotions. I was stumbling over the things that I'd seen in my past and I decided that would not happen to me. Well, you can see how that worked out. God won that battle of the the battle of my life. I'm glad he did because I decided to look into what God was doing. What was he doing? Where was he? Where should I be? What does he want me to do? I didn't want to be controlled by what had happened in my past. I had to decide to do what God wanted me to do. Which then takes me to the second thing that I believe that affects our vision. And the second thing is this. It's finding your purpose for your future. Finding your purpose for your future. You see, if your past makes you question what you were made of, confusion about your future makes you question what you're made for. Let me say it again. If your past makes you question what you're made of, confusion about the future makes you question what you're made for. But I believe that every one of you right now that's listening to my voice, God has given a purpose for you. He has made you for something specifically. Well, Proverbs 29, as we've just read, verse 18 says that not knowing what, God, what we're made for then disconnects us from blessing. If you don't know what you're, for, you're made for, if you don't know what your purpose is, I believe you become very disconnected to the opportunity of blessing that should be lying around you in bountiful amounts because God bountifully blesses us. You see, when you don't have any purpose, I believe that good things don't bring you joy. You can have all amazing things. It's amazing how maybe some of you have been quarantined for the last month or so and you, you're just about to just go nuts because you're all quarantined and yet you have a wonderful spouse most of the time, right? You have wonderful children's most of the time, right, you have you have air conditioning, you have a home, maybe most of you have a job, maybe some of you lost your job, but there is so much blessing in your life and yet you can't be connected to that blessing. You can't feel the joy. I believe it's because we have forgotten what God has called us for. Why are we here right now? Are we here just to feel comfortable? We're we here just to feel good? If we can't be connected to the, the, the joy and the blessing that is in our own household, that tells us we're not as connected to our purpose as much as we think we are. Oh yeah, you can buy more cars. You can get more watches on your wrist. You can, you can get more vacations. You can do more things in light. Let me tell you, it will never fill you up. We know that as Christians, and yet we sink back into thinking those things will fill us up. It's usually a sign that we don't really know what we have been made for. When you don't have purpose, I even believe that it doesn't just disconnect you from the joy of the things that are in your life, but it makes you fearful of possibly losing those things, losing your marriage, losing your children, losing wealth in your life. Let me tell you this. When you know what you're made for, I believe it brings you joy and boldness, joy and boldness. You see, I believe that it's amazing what you can sacrifice when you know what your purpose is. Sacrifice has an amazing way of measuring whether you actually know what your purpose is, Think of an athlete. When an athlete is ready to win the race, when they're ready to go into the Olympics, which has now been delayed for another year, as many of you probably know, right? So they have been working hard. They work day and night, working hard for this. Some of them have full-time jobs and they're still working hard. They're getting up early to train themselves and to train themselves. They are sacrificing their body. They're sacrificing their time. Why are they doing that? Because they know what they're trying to win. They know what their purpose and they know what their goal is. Think of parents, parents who decide to have children. They're sacrificing sleep. They're sacrificing money. They're sacrificing their, 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 their sanity. Why? Because their purpose is to be a parent for that child even though you don't get as much thanks as maybe you would hope you would get. But purpose is able to drive us to sacrifice. Even business people do it with their their businesses. They're able to sacrifice their comforts to grow their business. But let me tell you, it's not a career that you need. It's a calling that you need. You see, you can build your business up to be a multi million dollar business. You can build up all your wealth and you can get to the place where you can live a life of luxury. But someday you're gonna ask yourself, why? What is it for? What is all of this for? That's when you know you've only built a career. That's when you know you've only built a company. But I believe that God has called you to more than just your job. He's called you to a calling, to a purpose in life. You don't need a career. You need a calling in your life. So regardless of if you lose your job, regardless of what challenges or trials or tribulations come your way, you need to know that you need something that you are made for. Years ago, this was quite a challenge for me. And many of you know, I've been in music for many, many years. I don't really do it too much anymore because of course I'm a full-time pastor here. And I was a full-time pastor for the last 20 years as well, but I did a lot of music. And we go to the place where, we actually, as I used to have a band called Rule of Seven. You can actually go on uh, Spotify and Spotify right now. It's called Rule of Seven, like the number seven. And that's that's when I used to have long hair and I thought I was cool, right? But it's quite a while ago. Don't, don't worry about it. But anyway, and, and and I remember us being in a competition that was run by the Grammys and there was 300 bands in the Southeast and there's this massive competition down in Miami. And we entered it and we, we got all the way down to the last final five bands. And so we were asked to go to Miami. And we're like, like, how cool is that to be to be recognized to to be the final 5 bands out of 300 bands and this was all the bands that were unsigned and there was tons of record labels there. And so we went and we played. And can you believe it? We actually won. We won this competition. That's like my only claim to fame right there. I won a Grammy competition. And so we had all these record labels asking us, you know, they were they were wanting us to, 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 to go up and, you know, talk talk to them up in Tennessee about, you know, uh, getting a record deal and et cetera. And I even personally, I met with the uh, with the manager of, uh, you remember a band called Creed? Yeah. That's like, that was like 15, 20 years ago. They were like the biggest selling band in America. You kids right now, just give me a minute just to reminisce, right? Your young kids don't even know what that band is. But some of you who are my age, like, yeah, Creed, you remember Creed? And I actually sat down with a manager there and and he said he wanted to do a record deal with me and I was pretty flattered by it. And I was was really moved to thinking, wow, is God opening up doors for me? But something inside of me said, no, this is not your purpose. There's been times in my life where I've looked back on it and I've seen what I sacrificed. I've seen the doors that were opened up for me and I didn't go through them and I chose to say no to them. Did I do the wrong thing? Should I, should I have? Have I, have I lost my opportunity? Was there this one opportunity in my life? And maybe I should have taken that opportunity. But I'm telling you this, it says in Proverbs 29:18, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals... They are most blessed when he attends. When you attend to what he reveals, you are most blessed. Not to what you think you should do. Not to just what any opportunity comes your way. But when he reveals what he is calling you to do, you're going to have to sacrifice but it's amazing when you desire and you want the things of God. It's amazing when you believe what He has called you to. You see what your purpose is. You will sacrifice things that could bring you wealth and fame. I love that word attend. It doesn't say when you understand what He reveals, it says when you attend to what He reveals. Attend basically means to be present, to pay attention, to listen to not get distracted by other opportunities, to not get distracted by your past, but to attend to what he is showing you. It says you become most blessed. Most people often wonder why I always ask them when I'm in counseling, I always ask them, did your dad do that? The thing you're going through, did your dad do that? Did your mother do that? I'm looking for patterns of why they're discouraged, why they're distracted, why they're, why they're, why they're delayed, why they're, they're detoured away from the things that God has called them to. Why are they so discouraged today? It's usually because they're still looking back at their past. They're looking at what they think they deserve. They're looking at what they think they have lost. But let me tell you, giving up those things is worth it when you see the things that God is calling you to, and he, let me guarantee you, he will call you to sacrifice. It's important to move on from your past. It's important to take hold of the future. That's why I wrote the book that I've written called Becoming Unstuck. You can get it on Amazon if you want. It's under my name. But it's simply about trying to help you to move on from your past so you can see what God is doing. Don't stumble all over yourself. See what God is doing, because that's the only thing that will bring you blessing. I want to show you four quick examples of how God actually does reveal his purpose to you. I don't want to leave it just telling you you need to find it. I want to show you four different ways, according to Scripture, that there are people in Scripture that found the, the purpose that they were called to. Four different ways. The first one is this it's a call from birth. Some of you have felt this. Some of you have seen this in your life. You've felt a calling from birth, from your childhood. It's a sense of knowing what you're supposed to do just from childhood. Maybe some of you have given up on it. Maybe you've given up on it because you become distracted by your failures in your life. You become distracted by... The fact that you have failed in debts, you've failed in marriage, you've failed in business, you've failed morally, you've failed in sexuality, you failed in so many different ways. And you think, I guess that's not for me anymore. I'm telling you that if God has put it in your life, he has, a, he has created you on purpose for a purpose. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a story about a prophet called Jeremiah. And when God was speaking to Jeremiah, he told him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he just had Jeremiah on his list. Knowing him means he had a plan for him. God had a plan. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. For whatever it was, for whatever it is that God is calling you to, he has appointed you to do that. Some of you know right now as I'm speaking to you, you feel it in your spirit. He did show me. I need you to get back on track. Don't get distracted by your past or your failures or your detours. Trust that God has called you for a purpose. Here's the second thing. Second thing is a growing Awareness. Some of you don't even know what you were made for from birth. I I get it. You think of the story of, of Joseph, Joseph was one of the children of Jacob, of the 12, of the, of the, of the 12 sons of Jacob, and, and uh, uh, I think it's, yeah, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, and uh, he had a dream about how he would become a king over his brothers, and of course, then he told his brothers, and his brothers went, who the heck are you? And they threw him into a pit, and then they took him out, and they sold him to some slave traders, and they, he went off to Egypt, and they became a slave for years. Maybe twenty years or so, he was in slavery. And you imagine the, the thoughts that were going through his head is like, God, why did you give me this dream? Why did you give me this this desire to do great things? And now I'm just I'm actually taken off into slavery. And how is it that everything has fallen apart? Everything seems to contradict what you have called me to do. But as he was submitting himself to God, even in the land of slavery, he started to become more aware of what God was doing in his life. And then suddenly one day God promoted him to become second to Pharaoh. He became the prime minister of the land. And years later, his brothers came because there was a famine and he forced them to come and bow down. And then when they realized who he was, it said he burst into tears because he said this. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, regardless of what harm is being done to you, regardless of what terrible things, regardless of what wrong you have done, get back on track with God, see the things that he is doing and trust that he will use all the crap that happened in your life to something greater than what you could ever imagine for the saving of many lives. The third way that I believe that God reveals his purpose is by walking through open doors. Open doors often open up in front of us and you can tell that is a door, that is a good door. That is a door that is a, you can tell in your spirit. Sometimes we get too nervous, we get too worrisome, we get too fearful that maybe it won't actually work out. This happened to a lady in the Old Testament called Esther who was living under... Under, uh, 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 really, the, her people, the Jews, were living under bondage under a king. And he was looking for a new wife, and someone nominated her. And sure enough, the king decided that he wanted to marry her. Now, there was a wise old man that was working in the courts of the king. The wise old man came to uh, Esther and he said, listen, this is your opportunity, don't miss it. This is what he said, look at this. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, if you don't walk through this door, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. That means God will choose someone else to do that job. Yeah, believe me, If you don't do what God is calling you to do, it's not going to stop God doing his plans. He's going to make it work. The question is, do you want to be a part of God's plans or do you want to just be by yourself? Me, I want to be a part of God's plans. You may not know what God has called you to do, but sometimes an opportunity comes your way. And I'm speaking to some of you right now, whatever God has shown you to do recently, you need to do it. But I don't know if that's what I'm really meant to do. I don't know if that's my calling. I don't really know. I I just don't feel like I'm good at that. I don't really have skills for that. Is it me? Should it be me? Listen. The opportunity comes. Maybe God's trying to teach you something in the opportunity. Maybe it's going to be a new tool for you that will lead you to the next step after that. You can't get to the next, next step until you take the current next step. Here's the last example we have in scripture. And that's simply an encounter with God. When God comes into your life and you have an encounter with him, you know he is calling you to something. Some of you, it's going to be like that. The Apostle Paul was like that. Apostle Paul was a murderer. His name was Saul. And he was the guy who was after all the Christians. He's like, I'm going to kill these guys. These guys are starting a new religion. I don't want them upsetting our perfect little party. So he went around killing Christians. And then suddenly he had an encounter with God. And it says in Acts chapter nine, verses one to six, it says in verse three, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and a voice from heaven said, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting the saints? You have to understand, this was a man who was a murderer. Why would God choose a murderer? Because when God chooses you, you have to respond. Do you need a suddenly movement in your life? Do you need a suddenly moment in your life? Are you willing to change if that suddenly moment comes along? If that suddenly moment happens in your life, are you ready to respond? Are you ready to do it? The interesting thing is when Paul had a suddenly moment with God, he went blind. And it wasn't until months, weeks, months later when he was able to finally see again You see, having an encounter with God should change your vision for your life. It should change how you see and what you see. It should change what you're measuring yourself against. What are you measuring yourself against? Who is the measure for your life? Is it your past? Is it a fear about the future or even the present? Or is it simply that God has called you to something greater? When God has called you to something greater, I'm telling you, it's amazing what you can sacrifice. Why do we as a church have such boldness? I'll tell you why. Because we know what our vision is. We know what our calling is. I love, a, I love the new background that we have today. These are pictures of all the online small groups that we're having right now. You know what's beautiful about that? The church is people who are called by God. God. It's not by a building. It's not by a property. It's not by money. It's simply by relationship. It's by a, calling, a common purpose, a common calling that God has put in our lives. I'm asking you today to be a part of the vision of this church. I'm asking you to find your vision and your calling. I'm telling you, it will bring you more blessing than you could ever imagine. Father in heaven, I just pray for every person who's watching right now, for every person that's listening in right now, I pray that something would spark inside of them, that they will remember how you had called them from birth, that they will remember the moments that you have placed in their lives. Help them to get their eyes off of their surroundings. Help them to get their eyes off of the things that are going on in life and help them to get their eyes back on you to have 2020 vision on you. And I pray, Father, for every person who's watching right now, that you would fill them with your spirit from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.